With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everybody, this is Steve Seiper, and welcome to the very first episode of From Complex to Queens, a Mets minor league podcast. I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. How are you guys doing? All right. Better than the Mets right now. Yes, also true. (laughs) So I'm going to put the two of you on the spot right now. The opening feature for our show is going to be, and you have Kenny to thank for this, promote, (laughs) extend, trade. It's very similar to F. Mary Kill. Oh, God. (laughs) You can promote one person I'm about to mention. You can extend one person I'm about to mention. You could trade one person about to mention. Great. Our three candidates for this week are Rowdy the Rumble Pony, Mason the Columbia Firefly, <laughs> and Clutch the St. Lucie Dog. Uh, what were the options? Promote, trade, and what was the other one? I, I think I have mine. So. Extend. Promote, Ex- extend, trade. I'm trying to like match the the to the traditional version of this game. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. So um, trade is kill. Kill, yeah. Extend, uh, I guess, is marry. Yeah, is yeah. have him be part of your your long term future and okay. uh, promote is just you want to see him at the next level. You know, sure. You're happy you like him, but you don't want to be with him. <laughs> Go ahead, Ken. 
Okay, so the Saint Clutch the Saint Lucy dog extend. Abdi. Um <clears throat> Mason the Firefly promote, and then I, I've got beef with Rowdy the Rumble Pony, so trade interesting. Him. Yeah. I mean it's not beef, it's a horse. But... <laughs> uh, oh, you got that. Oh, <laughs> uh, God, this is a trainer. <laughs> no. So I agree, because the Rumble Pony is, like, the dumbest mascot. That's not true. There are some real dumb mascots in minor league baseball. But it's not even, like, funny dumb. No, like... it's not. It's just stupid. It's not even, like, the Fresno Tacos or something like that. Like, yeah, that's amusing. Right? Where it's just dumb and, like, funny. Right. <laughs> it's, like, dumb and dumb. So let's get rid of the Rumble Ponies. We'll trade them. Uh, I will promote the dog uh but i really love the columbia fireflies uh you know that's fair and plus they're they've got those do they still have those glow in the dark hats yes if i wore hats their aesthetics are incredible yeah so i will i will extend the uh what is what was the firefly's name mason it has a name oh like i guess you put it in a a mason mason jar jar, yeah. yeah Clever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll extend. Objectively great. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a great mascot, and just for the glow-in-the-dark hats, extend Mason the Firefly. Good lord. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in our inaugural episode here, we're going to preview our four full-season affiliates, Syracuse Mets, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, St. Lucie Mets, and Columbia Fireflies. So on a scale of 1 to 10... A, how excited are you guys for the season to begin and see everybody? And then B, how confident are you that any of these teams are going to be halfway decent? Uh, define decent. Uh, like put from up, a prospect point, point put of up view? A good, or... Put up a good win-loss record. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for Columbia. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot of talent on that team. I mean, I think so. Like, just going up, like, ignoring the rookie ball affiliates since that's so far off. I'm excited for Columbia, and we'll get into their roster in a little bit. I really don't care about St. Lucie because I don't think there's <laughs> going to be anything interesting there, or at least there shouldn't be. Uh, Binghamton should have Jimenez to start the season, so that's fun. Mm-hmm. And then. Syracuse is going to be a good team because the Mets actually made some minor league signings this year, but it's all just so whatever. They've got the, the one person to care about is Stephen Valines, and I guess like, <laughs> yeah, of course, Stephen Valines. I guess like Eric Hanhold, who, who I think is interesting. Uh, who's a lefty? Zamora. And then it's a bunch of veterans and also Tebow. Yeah, there's not like a legit prospect on the position player no. side. I mean, unless you're really invested in, like, David Thompson or Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. Did I just say that Tim Tebow is a prospect? (laughs) He might be the closest thing that that team has. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. Well, which which veterans? Well, I guess we're going to get into which uh, roster details in a bit here. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's start off with now with the Syracuse Mets. Um, Mm. This is their first year in Syracuse, their first year in existence. So before we get to the actual team, I just want to go over the history of baseball in Syracuse a little bit. They, the Syracuse Mets are replacing the Syracuse Chiefs, and they were formed all the way back in 1961. And they replaced an old team, also called the Chiefs, that had been there since 1934, but they left to go to Miami. They were renamed the Sky Chiefs in 1997. 
They kept that name for about 10 years before going back to the Chiefs. And obviously, um, last year was the last year that the Chiefs name would is going is going to exist. Um, they play at NBT Bank Stadium, which was known as Alliance Bank Stadium in 2005 through 2013, and PNC Stadium from 1997 to 2005. And that stadium opened in 97, and it replaced MacArthur Stadium, which was built in 1934, and then known as Municipal Stadium because MacArthur was still nobody in history. And they started out as an affiliate for the Twins, and over the years, they've been an affiliate for the Mets, the Senators, the Tigers, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Nationals. They were affiliated with the Blue Jays for the longest, basically three decades from 1978 to 2008. And um, for the Nats for the past 10 years or so, um, they've seen their fair share of all-stars and greats and Hall of Famers between... Uh, all those teams that they've been with, they've had guys like Chris Carpenter, Carlos Delgado, Tony Fernandez, Ron Guidry, Roy Halladay, Bryce Harper, Thurman Munson, Dave Steve, uh, excuse me, Dave Steve, Steven Strasberg, Trey Turner, David Wells, a bunch of, you know, Hall of Famers slash really good guys. So that's Syracuse. And in order to analyze the Syracuse Mets, we need to look at Las Vegas and... Las Vegas, the 51s, that last season, last year, were okay. They were 71-69, and 69, which is good for third place in the PCL Southern Division. And I'm a little optimistic for Syracuse this year. Um, I think that pitching was their biggest weakness. And even though the rotation, the bullpen, is more or less the same, I think the change of scenery is going to help a bit. It's almost a full ERA run difference between the International League and the PCL, so that could be big. And then, like we were starting to say now, the position players... Practically the entire roster is just guys that were signed this winter, plus Tebow, Thompson, you know, a handful of other guys that are already in the system. So I'm a little less confident there, but I think that there's just so much major league experience on this team that they'll uh, at least have a solid showing in their in their first year. What do you yeah, guys? There's think? a lot of a lot of big league service time on that roster. Mm-hmm. A few uh, even all stars. Hector Santiago was an all star like. Two or three years ago, yeah, Most gen- one of the more generous all-star selections uh, ever. <laughs> but even like Dilson Herrera hit, you know, was like thirty percent above league average in this league last year. I, I like, maybe maybe I'm crazy, but I still think Dilson's a legitimate prospect. I, I well, maybe not like a legitimate prospect, but like um, has like a big league future. Like, yeah, I can agree I, with that. I, I guess I, I'm mostly just quibbling with like um diction, I guess. Yeah, we can argue about what a prospect actually yeah, is, exactly. but he's he's only 25. You I, can, I'm agreeing with your... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could chalk up the last couple of years to the shoulder stuff after he got traded. Mm-hmm. I was pretty excited that they were able to get him back, and uh, I mean, there's, a, there's some really useful major league depth here, and also a team that should be good uh, in this league right. without having any anything interesting in terms of prospects. I mean, unless Chris Flexen remembers to how to pitch. Hey, he's in the best shape of his life, Lucas. Oh, good, good. That, that's a pretty <laughs> low bar. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't in particularly good shape to begin with. So, <laughs> sorry, Chris. I don't know. Sometimes stuff like that actually has an adverse effect. I mean, look at guys like like Jonathan Broxton. I think is the biggest example I can think of. He was a very large individual. 
Mm. And, yes. you know, I remember a, maybe 2010, 2011, 2012, something like that. I think it was when he went to the Cardinals or the Reds, whichever team. It was a Red team, so one of them. Did he wind up uh, on the Royals at some point, too, I think? He, he might have been. But I remember, he, when, you know, he was coming back from injury and he was, you know, quote unquote, in the best shape of his life. And he had dropped some pounds and... You know, you could attribute, you could, you could say that some of it was because of, you know, he was injured and everything, but he he was obviously a diminished pitcher from his days with the Dodgers. It's one of those things that's completely meaningless unless they make, you know, they prove it to be meaningful. You know. Yep. 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 Uh, so then, it, is there anything else? Anyone else we've missed on this roster? Uh, I mean, all the major league shuttle arms, basically. And, which we've already mentioned, and that's it. Oh, yeah. Bachelor. We didn't say Bachelor. It we should have a pretty, a pretty solid bullpen. Basically, all of the prospecting names that are on this team are in the bullpen. Yep. Who do you think is going to close? Who, how do you think they're going to split up closing duties? Not that it really matters at AAA, but... Whoever's there at the time, you know, I think there's going to be so much shuttling that it's impossible to, like, project. Mm. You know? Proven closer, Jacob Brame. Uh, best oh, that's closer. true. I we think, do I have at least team, one proven closer on this team. Best, best projected closer on the team, Jacob Rehm. <laughs> well, that is uh, Syracuse. And next up are the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They went 64-76 and 76 last year, which was good for fifth place in the Eastern League Eastern Division. And they really just weren't a good team. Uh, Peter Alonzo and Jeff McNeil were there the first couple of months. And then Justin Dunn and Andres Jimenez were there in the last couple of months. But more or less the only highlights of that team, aside from them, from a prospecty point of view, were Tebow, maybe, kind of. If you squinted Patrick Mazaika a little bit. But, I mean, half the team isn't even in the organization anymore because they're either just kind of minor league filler guys that were picked up or they retired. Um, so it just wasn't a good team last year. And I don't really know how much better things are going to be for them this year. Um, one thing, though, is that I think the pitching situation should be a million times better. Uh, we're not going to see guys like Joe Shaw or the, or the ghost of Morgos Molina getting like 10 plus starts. I mean, depending on how aggressive Mets want to be, there could be a bunch of David Peterson, Anthony K starts. And even if you don't like them, I think that we could all agree that, that they are better than uh, Shaw and what was left of Marcos Molina. Yeah, that's not right. Good. Yeah. And the offense, I really don't know. Um, Andres Jimenez will be at short, but after him, I don't really see anybody. I can't envision anybody that's going to be there that's going to kind of be... I, I assume that Desmond Lindsay is going to end up there, probably, right? Is that where they're going to start, Lindsay? Well, he, I, he it was is... in the, the FSL last year. Um, it is they, a possibility. They pushed him to the AFL in the winter. But even if even if you... I would include Desmond Lindsay in my group of guys that are kind of prospecty if you squint. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, Mazaika, Toffee, who I don't like. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to bring up Toffee. There are guys that are kind of, you know enigmas and maybe they would do good but i don't know i mean i'm just curious to do the thing with Lindsay is still health like can he just put together a healthy season um toffee is obviously low floor or like excuse me uh low ceiling but i think he's interesting because he walks a lot and menace is the only name to watch here i agree like it's a big the, name the to pictures. watch 
on the offensive side, I mean. Yeah. Um, do you think they push Debrell this high? Or do you think they're going to make... I mean, he's 23 already. Um, I feel like they should push him up here. Um, I would hope this, so. I would to. probably rather him get, like, a couple of starts in St. Lucie, just because that's, like, a big jump. Mm-hmm. From being old in this alley to being, you know playing against upper minors arms, but I don't think, I think the goal should be to get him to double A almost as quickly as possible. You know? Yeah. I think that he will throw double A innings, but if he starts there or not that, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's within the fudge factor either way. Like, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Uh, and Jimenez probably won't be here past mid season unless he really struggles. I and mean, he might wind up in triple A even before that. Yeah. Well, the Eastern League switched to a split format, just like the South Atlantic League and the Florida State League. So probably once the second half begins, we'll see a bunch of promotions, and Jimenez will probably be in that way for promotions going up to AAA. Also, another chance for us to get the math wrong when we do the farm report <laughs> and try to figure out their record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just why can't why can't they make this easy for us? <laughs> Well, that is two of our affiliates down, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No so, things are kind of looking mixed for the upper levels of the minors. Maybe they'll do good win and loss wise, but in terms of prospect development, eh, the jury's kind of out. We're going to look at Columbia and St. Lucie now. And down there, things are very much the opposite. Uh, we'll look at St. Lucie first. They celebrated their 30th anniversary last year, and it wasn't exactly one for the record books. They went 27 and 40 in the first half, and then 27 and 36 in the second half. And as a team, they were pretty much relevant at no point in either half. Um, player development was a bigger thing than wins and losses down there last year. Um, Andres Jimenez took some major steps forward. Justin Dunn took some big steps forward. And I think that we're going to see the same kind of thing in St. Lucie this year. Wins and losses, maybe not so good. But there's a couple of guys that might be assigned there that I think, hopefully, if everything goes well, we could see some big things from. Uh, Ali Sanchez, he's one guy. He started showing a little life with the bat last year. And I've always liked him i thought there was a little bit more than he's showed stat wise and i'm hoping maybe that he's able to tap into the bat tap into the power a little bit more this year um matt winnaker i like him as much as you could like kind of 
non-marquee lower-level corner outfielders without any major carrying tools. And he took some some big step forwards last year. I think he could continue that. Uh, Hansel Moreno, Lucas picked him as one of his sleepers, and he's a guy that could get uh, significantly better real quick. We were talking about DeBrell before. If he starts in Columbia, I think he could get off. I mean, excuse me. If he starts at St. Lucie, I think he could get off to a uh, quick start. But, yeah, like we were saying, there just really aren't too many guys that I could really project to start in St. Lucie. Have you mentioned Carlos Cortez? (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) By design. (laughs) Uh, I always saw, I mean, I saw Winokur when he was at Stanford playing Cal. Uh, and he, I thought he was decent. I also liked Quinn Brody, who the Mets also drafted, and he just kind of fizzled out. I don't even know where he's at these days. Um, he split time in Columbia and St. Lucie last year. Not, so not on the Columbia roster, so maybe they're just St. Lucie. St. Lucie. Yeah, and it's um, odd because they kept they drafted the two of them. I think Brody was third round and Winnicott yeah. was fifth. Yeah, and. Honestly, like having seen both of them, I think that Winnicott is the superior player, and yet he's been held back, and Brody has kind of been pushed, has been given more laurels. I don't know. I don't really see it. I, 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 know. I fully admit that I do not have a expert eye or anything, but I was more impressed with what Brody did in college than Winnicott from watching them. Um, I thought Brody was also going to be a much better defender than Winnicott, which I guess... Uh, probably matters when you're considering how to push these guys um, he is he is brody ha- is and has always been the better uh, yeah defensive player he's i'm not really sure if he was playing center in st Lucie, but he has the ability to play center yeah yeah and i think that i think that matters especially a lot for the in, in the low minors when you're trying to teach fundamentals like you probably need to hold guys back to teach defense and whatnot um i mean the most this... exciting go ahead the swing, though, is just really bad. It's Winnicker, at least he's improved his swing, yep. but Brody is just, no. Yeah, well, Brody, Brody, I thought, like, had good pitch recognition in college, and I'm like, all right, he's got the Stanford swing, but hopefully they'll work through it, and they haven't. So, uh, womp womp. The, <laughs> most, the most exciting name here is DeBrell, I think. Rainier is interesting in terms of, like, a potential utility guy, but uh, we talked about how we all like DeBrell, even though... Some unnamed individuals left them off their rankings by accident. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys disagree with that, if there's someone you're more excited to see. No. Um, I think that's our official position here, is that Tony DeBrell is good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so. And this roster doesn't have a whole else, whole lot else going on. Yeah, definitely from a prospect standpoint, so. Columbia, though. Columbia is oh boy. the exact opposite. Um, last year, they went 34 and 33 in the first half. And then they dropped to 30 and 37 in the second half, which put them under 500 for the season. But I think we could all agree, and at least in the first half, uh, Columbia is going to be... It's going to be a crazy lineup. Um, Mark Vientos, Ronnie Mauricio, Sharif and Newton, they're all going to be in the infield together. And even one of those guys having a good year could have a huge impact on the team. Now imagine all of them, you know, producing at a high level at once. Yep. The outfield doesn't really have any marquee guys, but um, the guys are going to be out there. Ranfi Adone, 
Jose Medina, Anthony DeRossi, Ragnar Lagrange. They're guys that they've shown ability to hit solid averages or so. So if they can be, you know, table setters for those impact infielders, that could mean a lot of runs. And then Juan Uriarte is going to be catching. He's a guy that I've I've liked. I've said many times. It's kind of aggressive when you consider that he lost the entire season last year. So we'll see if see if he's up to it. And then looking at the pitching side of things, um, you know, Columbia is going to be exciting for a third time in as as many years, uh, pitching wise. Biggest names are Simeon Woods Richardson and Thomas Zipucky. Uh, Woods Richardson, he's basically looking to establish himself as a big-time prospect, and Sapucky is looking to reestablish himself as a big-time prospect after Tommy John. And then joining them are a bunch of guys that are not on that level, but they're all kind of intriguing. There's Jason Valera, who he almost won the New York Penn League tripping, Triple Crown last year. Um, Christian James, who... His stuff was down a lot last year in Brooklyn, but he'll be looking to reestablish his, you know, prospect bona fides. Um, there's the enigmatic but often injured Chris Vial, uh, up-and-comers Jose Budo, Willie Tavares. There's basically pitching for days down in Colombia. Yeah, this roster is really, really fun. Could not be happier about it from a uh, player development standpoint. Right, Columbia has the best MILB TV feed by far. Yep. So, oh, they do? Excellent. Yes. Yeah, by Great. far. Um, so I'm very excited to watch a lot of Simeon Rhodes Richardson this year. Um, I really... What did you think of his, his inning in spring? Did either of you catch it? No. Nope. Ah. <laughs> nope. I was impressed even if the results weren't great. Uh, he, he looks like an athlete out there. Like, very athletic, um, lots of arm speed. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's pretty aggressive for a 19-year-old to go straight to Columbia, right? Like, that seems... <laughs> I can read, yeah, 18. He'll be 19 <laughs> in September. So, yeah, this is... Yeah, no, it's just because he was, like, 17 when... Yeah, uh, yeah, so draft. he's... You know, right. Uh, I mean, uh, this, time, this, le- this time last year, he was, you know, taking midterms. And yeah. <laughs> now he's pitching against, you know, major leaguers in spring training. So it's not yeah. too bad. Uh, and I like Vial just because he racks up the strikeouts, and I'm a sucker for strikeouts. So. I, I think he'll move a lot quicker um, if they eventually decide to move him to the bullpen. That's he, what I was I was thinking. Um, and the Columbia bullpen is kind of empty of mm-hmm. solid guys, and I'm wondering if they finally do put him in the bullpen. I oh, know when when they drafted him years ago at this mm-hmm. point but i remember that uh tommy tanis said that he's a guy that should move quickly obviously that hasn't happened because he's a, got no injuries <laughs> right and a injury well he never had command but injuries and just the mets being the mets but this could be the year that he is in the bullpen and does actually move quickly i mean i kind of find it surprising that he's even repeating in columbia there should be lots of innings, too, because, like, Sapucky's going to be limited in terms of how many innings he throws. I imagine they're probably conservative with Woods Richardson in terms of how many innings he throws. So you could very easily uh, piggyback him or use him in just two to three inning stints, um, which I think is something that, that not only the Mets but baseball in general should start to develop some of these guys 
uh, to do in the minors uh, more, given how bullpens have changed. Just make two to three inning super relievers. Like you've got two really good pitches, you've got a starter stamina, but you can't cut it. We're gonna make you a Josh Hader or something like that, right? Or, or even like a Seth Lugo type thing. Where right, the goal exactly. Should be to get him like um, length out of the pen, you know? Right. Now, like getting get, the ability to get two really high quality innings is is super super valuable, um, and I think that's something Vial could do. It's also something that Sapucky could do, as we discussed yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. He could be the uh, he's the next Andrew Miller, crossing yeah. our fingers. I've also noticed that Vial's height is six nine. Yeah, he's a he's a big boy. Nice. Uh, how do you think they're going to split shortstop reps? Like, are they just giving up on Newton as a shortstop? They're going to put him at second base? Or? Yeah, he is He is listed as a second baseman now. So I'm assuming that's... I mean, Mauricio should have... You know, he would always get um, majority of the innings there. But mm-hmm. I think that, you know, because Newton is is listed exclusively as second baseman now, like, that's it. And well, On the Columbia roster, they have him as a shortstop. On In their, their news I, I release... Think- they have him as second base. Oh, okay. I think they're just basically just going to shuffle guys around day to day, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, I can see Vientos getting a day, DHing, in which case Newton would probably play third. Uh, you can always stick one of the two of them at second and then flip. I, I think there will be reps to go around, you know? Oh, nobody's going to be losing out on playing time. No, they're not going to lose playing time to... Uh... Checking the notes here. <laughs> Brian Sharp or Chase Chambers? Mm, Chase no. Chambers is a, a first baseman, right? Yes. He is. He uh, hit 17 home runs in his junior year at Tennessee and then 18, I think, last year. And then really looked terrible in Brooklyn, but <laughs> that could just be the Brooklyn factor. Who knows? Yeah, it's his draft year. 281, 350, 392 at Brooklyn with three home runs in 217 at-bats. Eh, not terrible. Uh, awful, but... Not ideal, but... No, you want more awful. home runs than that from your first baseman. Brian Sharp, who the, is a 26th round pick from Missouri last year. All right, I'm not going to... He had five home runs, though, at Brooklyn. Interesting. Not really. Suffice to say, he is not <laughs> taking away playing time from <laughs> anyone. <laughs> No, they probably just shuffle them in at first base or third when Vientos gets a DH day. Um, this outfield is empty. I gotta say, though, if the biggest complaint with the Mets player development over the last few years has been that they move guys way too slow, I'm pretty thrilled that they decided to push this roster the way they did. It is definitely a lot more aggressive than we're used to seeing. I think it would have been very easy for one of the three infielders to spend half to three quarters of the year, you know, in the complex and then in Brooklyn. I mean, I would have expected that from Mauricio, honestly, though, uh, given the results last year, though, I understand that every scout says he's the superior prospect to Newton, um, despite the the numbers put up uh, that they both put up last year. Yep. Um, That would have been an easy thing to do, but Mm -hmm. I think uh, I'm, I'm very happy that they decided (laughs) <laughs> well that makes me hopeful that they'll push guys like DeBrell who we were talking about I mean under the old regime 
I guess I shouldn't say regime, but on their old management, I would have been afraid they'd start Peterson or Kay at uh, St. Lucie for some mm-hmm. reason, right? And now we're, I think we're all pretty confident they're going to start at Binghamton. Yeah. Well, we'll see. That would be optimal. Because really, they both spent half season in, they both spent half season in uh, St. Lucie, and regardless of the results, you know, I don't really think that there's anything left for either one to prove there. No, no. I mean, Peterson had some injury stuff, I think, again, and Kay was just coming back, but it's it's time for them to get to the high minors. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many innings do you want it? Would you guys want to see from Sapaki before uh, the team thought about promoting him? Do you think he's someone who stays the whole year at Columbia? Uh, I don't really see him move uh, unless they, like we were saying, unless they stick him in the bullpen or something kind of out of the box like that. I don't see him really accumulating that many innings, maybe 50 to 60. And I would just keep him at Columbia. See, I, I would try to get him to the, uh, to Port St. Lucie at some point. Mm-hmm. I just think at a certain point he's, he's like, what, like 23? Yeah. At a certain point, you just got to get him moving a little bit. That being said, um, I don't think he's going to throw enough innings for it to matter really where he is. No, I don't expect a ton of innings. I just, and, and knocking on wood and assuming that his stuff is some semblance of what it was before, I feel like his curveball might already be too good for this league. Yeah, just be kind I, I'd of, like to see how he plays against more advanced right. um, competition. Right. I feel like short a, bursts. We'll get a sense, I guess, the first couple of weeks. True. Please don't Marcus Molina. Please don't Marcus Molina. <laughs> Please. I don't ask for much. I don't. I can't be hurt again. <laughs> well, that is uh, everybody that's going to be starting this week. The opening day for the minor leagues for the full season affiliates is this Thursday. So we can start we... guessing randomly which uh, DSL guys <laughs> will make it to rookie ball in three months. No, just yeah, throw some darts at a wall. That'll be fun. It's always Ooh, fun. I'm, when I'm pretty sure Alvarez up. is. Um, just yeah, after having, I saw him at the complex, and he, mm-hmm. he's a large boy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, no problem, no problem. Uh, before we pack it up, I want to introduce another, hopefully recurring segment. Uh, it's going to be very simple. I spent a whole 18 seconds thinking this up, and I came up with a great name which is going to be, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Basically, at the end of every show, um, all three of us will just go back a couple of years. We'll look at and see what players had, you know, really good weeks for, you know, two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, whatever it is. So I went back and I looked at opening day. And the best opening day um, the last couple of years was Kirk Neuenheis, who went four for four with a home run on opening day 2014, which is with the Las Vegas 51s. So I think we all remember Kirk. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember something about him playing football, yes. Mm-hmm. Now here's the lineup for that, that game, which is the fun part. Danny Munoz was at short. Oh, boy. Matt oh. Dendecker was okay. in center. Okay. Eric Campbell was at first. Soup. Kirk was in left. Zach Lutz was at third. Wild times. Cesar Pueyo was in right. Oh, man. 
Taylor Teagarden was catching. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they, did, did he make the roster for like 10 minutes at one point, I think? He might have. Yeah, uh, no, he, he was the the Grand Slam. Uh, I forget when. All right. <sighs> they, they, there have been a lot of really bad <laughs> catchers over the years. <laughs> Who have come up, done one thing, and then went back down, yes. <laughs> Omir Anthony, Santos. Uh, Anthony like, Saratelli was in second. Who? And then... <laughs> Anthony Saratelli, of course. Is that someone I should know, or? Uh, and then he, I, I some, don't. If that makes you feel better, Lucas. <laughs> I've got no uh, idea. Here's some good ones. We had pinch hit appearances by Alan Dykstra. Okay. And Bobby Abreu. What? Wait, the Bobby oh, Abreu. Oh right, the Bobby Abreu. Wait, like you went to Triple A before coming up? I guess so. Wild. Uh, and, then, and then there was like we everyone wanted to see Dykstra in the majors that year, and Sandy traded him to to the Padres for nothing. I don't remember what. Right? Alan Dykstra? Yeah. It's, it's sounding familiar. Let me consult the Google. Because everybody thought that he was Lenny Dykstra's son, which he wasn't. <laughs> Lenny Dykstra, who's also in the news a lot uh, uh, the last couple of days. Let's not. Let's <laughs> it's not. not our podcast, though. <laughs> Please. I'm not equipped to discuss <laughs> Lenny Dykstra. Ah, actually, <laughs> Alan Dykstra was originally traded to the Mets for Eddie Coons. Right, hmm. right, right, right. It's... No, he was granted his free. He was granted free agency after 2014. Okay, mm, okay. A... So we did lose him for nothing. Why did I think they traded him to the Padres? There have been plenty of interchangeable. <laughs> well, this was like one of the original comment wars that I got in on was that why haven't they called up Dykstra yet? The season's lost, rah, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> good times. It was, a good, it was a long time ago. Rafael Montero started that game. Uh, and then we had relief appearances by Dana Evland, mm-hmm. Joel Carreno, Vic Black and Eric Goodell. Damn, there are a lot so of major that, leaguers in this game. Yeah, well, it was Triple A, so. Oh, Vic Black, I'm gonna pour some of my coffee out for Vic Black. <laughs> Fun guy. I liked him so much. <laughs> he seemed like a good guy, and he blew out his shoulder. Did, yeah. Did the, did the Mets abuse him into blowing out his shoulder, or did he just blow out his shoulder? I don't know. I don't remember. He I know was leather pitching st- under Wally Backman when it happened. So oh, I know. I mean, he didn't get leather stitched, which was criminal. But leather snitched, whatever his name was, I don't remember. No, that was it. You got it. Yep, okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> snitched or sitch. Sitch, I think. Sitch. Like the situation. And Wally had him throw like fifty pitches, and he then went off the field, went to the hospital, and got Tommy John on the spot. Yep. Like, Pretty thanks. much, yeah. Thanks, he has Wally. not pitched in the big league since. <laughs> didn't he? Didn't he pitch for the? Cubs? Oh, he might have. Maybe. Yeah, I, I know the Cubs, Cubs signed him um, for a bit. I don't know if he made the. We, league we've league. taken your segment and turned it into a wild tangent, Steve. Yeah, that's all right though. That is the point of. <laughs> oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> These guys. Oh my God! Yeah, Jack Leathersitch has pitched in the majors twice in 17, 2017. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Both with the Cubs and Pirates. That is better than I thought. Hmm. You made it. Yeah. 
Sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll always have uh, that ball and that, that baseball card, maybe. I don't know if they make cards for everybody. If, if memory serves, he's a member of the 2015 <laughs> National League pennant winning New York Mets. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's that's a thing that will always be true. <laughs> no, no one can take that away from him. He pitched 11 innings for that team. Uh, for context, Trey Turner just hit a walk-off home run. Ah, that's Bomb. nice. <laughs> Well, that's a good way to end. That's this. a good time to go. <laughs> Closes tab. Um. Well, first, uh, our first episode is in the books. Are you guys feeling like you're in the best podcasting shape of your lives? Oh, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> very, very good. Well, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. And Ken is at KenLavin91. Uh, subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Remember, since this is a new show, apart from Mason Avenue Audio, you guys got to do that. And please rate and review. And thank everybody for listening. And we will be back next week where we will recap the first week of the 2019 season.